All right, so this year has been declared a year of divine increase. Say divine increase on every side. And what I love about the Lord is when he says divine increase, it's not increase that you step into for a moment and then step back. It's sustained increase. Yeah, I love that hand clap right there. 5,000 points. One person got it. And look at somebody and say it's sustained. You break into that level and you stay at that level and you continue to grow from glory to glory to glory. Increase to increase to increase. Amen. So in this season, I believe God is establishing some brand new things in your life that are a foundation for increase to continually come towards you. And when you're laying foundations, you don't just lay them in a moment. It takes time to do this, right? And when you get the revelation of what God wants to do, there is a corresponding action that happens in the natural for you to implement some things to see that increase happen. Look at somebody and say, nothing just happens. There has to be change in you that brings change outside of you that causes increase to flow to you. Are you with me? So if you, for instance, God says in the book of Matthew chapter 6, he says, if you will live righteously, right, seeking first the kingdom of God, God will add all things unto you. And if you read right before that passage, it says, you won't have to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, or what you're going to have as shelter over your head. He says, unbelievers worry about those things. So if you are worried about your basic needs, all you have to do is shift into seeking first the kingdom of God. Seeking first God's way of doing things, doing it God's way, and the increase will come. But there has to be a shift in your thinking and in your speaking and in your acting. Can I get an amen? And if you don't shift from the inside, then you're trying to make it happen on the outside and it just doesn't work. God has to do it by his spirit in you for it to flow through you. And there are things that God is breaking mindsets, strongholds, things that the enemy has put in you, that God is going to break you free from those mindsets so that you can flow in a brand new level of freedom and see an increase in the presence of God flowing in and through your life. Are you with me? And so increase is not something that happens because you're smart. Yes, you can be smart and do it in your own ability, but this is by the Spirit of God. And I want you to know God has specific wisdom for your life on how to see increase. So you have to be very careful that you don't copy other people. Somebody asked me this week, they said, do you have any investment tips? And my investment tip to this church is invest in establishing yourself in the word of God and the presence of God and do whatever he tells you to do and you will live in continuous victory and increase. Do not be following fads of the world. Get rich quick schemes. That does not produce a sustained increase in your life. But it comes by you being faithful to hear the voice of God and do what he says and you will see over a season God will lead you into abundance. My wife and I started with nothing. Nix. Zero. Zippo. I came from South Africa with a bag of clothing and $22 in my pocket. That's all I came with. 
but I had God. And I had a word of the Lord. And what the Lord has done in 24 years in our lives is absolutely a miracle. But it's learning to live by the Spirit. And we're stepping into another realm of increase. So when you look at our lives today, don't look at where we are. You need to hear where we started. you got to understand the sacrifices and the price we had to pay. The things that had to be broken out of us to get where we are today. And a lot of people look at people in their uh, promised land season, but they don't understand the journey out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness, crying at the mountain, the idols they had to lay down, the people they had to forgive, the work they had to put in, the weekends they had to give up, the sacrifices they had to make. All you see is the top now, and you're like, oh, these guys are blessed, and all they want is my money. But you do not understand where we come from. Who knows that journey? But I tell you what, when God sustains you, he holds you by his hand. And I'm here to tell you, this church, we're not after your money. We're after you being blessed by God. And yes, money is a big part of it. I'll be really honest with you. Money is the God of our hearts until we meet the God of the kingdom. And you have to break free from money's influence over your decisions. And you have to start learning to live by the word of God because his word will produce the resources you need. Never, ever judge what you can and cannot do by the money you have in your pocket. Judge what you can and cannot do by the faith God deposits in your hearts. Because the faith of God will produce everything you need to get the job done. Yeah, I'm preaching good this morning. I feel like exploding right now on the inside. Because there's so much I want to give you today. And I'm trying to rationalize it and keep it straight. Amen. Not just run around the building. So, where am I? Mindsets, right. So, Third John or 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, that's you, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So there has to be a renewing of your mind to step into divine increase. And you've got to understand God's way of doing things. So your mind has to shift and change from what the world says and what people say and what your parents think. And you have to establish your life on what God thinks and what God says. And it has to be the written word first and then learn to live by the spoken word by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to teach you how to shift out of living from the flesh and the customs and the patterns of the world to learning how to live out of the spirit and according to God's plans and purposes in the kingdom. And that is a whole different way of thinking. Pastor Mike said it. He said, since when do God's ways make sense to the carnal mind? They don't. How do you give your way out of debt? It's an oxymoron thing to those people who understand what oxymorons are. And so we're focusing on seeing this increase happen. And I'm believing God's doing it by His Spirit in every area. Two weeks ago, I was praying and the Lord began to talk to me about talking about divine increase in our health and our physical bodies. 
and I had a little resistance with the Lord. Pastor, no. You resist God on that? And yeah, I, I, have a little, I had a little, a little conversation with the Lord. Because I flow in the prophetic real easy. Prophetic teaching, prophecy. I put my hands on people. I know stuff. I can see things in people's hearts. I can see things in people's futures. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. The gift of faith, when God tells us to do something, we believe we can do it. Right? But there's this other set of the gifts of the Spirit, which is the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. And I'm not very comfortable flowing in those gifts. Anybody out there? So I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, look, I understand that you're the healer. I totally get it. I understand you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. All the miracles you did in the Bible, you're still doing those things. But I just don't really see the evidence and the fruit of it on the measure that I see it in the Bible. And so if you're going to want me to see this break out in the church, you're going to have to help me. Look at the person next to you and say, everybody has room to grow. So I need room to grow too. Right? And so... The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Let love be your highest goal, but eagerly desire the gifts or the special abilities that the Spirit gives. And so love has to be the foundation for everything that we do. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and loving your neighbor as you do yourself. And this is the foundation for your faith because faith works by love. Look at somebody and tell them your faith works by love. If you're not walking in love, your faith doesn't work. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so if we want to see our prayers being answered, we want to see the promises of God become a reality in our lives, we have to work on our love walk. How do you love God? You obey His commands. You obey His voice. How do you love people? This is practical. Look at somebody and say, this is how I practically love Others. Find someone and tell them, this is how you do it. And then we'll sing a song. This is how you do it. How you do it. I can't believe this guy's singing, this is how you do it. I'm going to show you how to do it. How many of you want to know how to love other people? But we want to do it God's way, right? We don't want to. <laughs> you got to show me love. I'm going to show you love in the Bible right now, right here. All right. 1 Corinthians 13. This is how you practically love people. Look at somebody say, this is how you do it. Practical. Patience. Kindness. This is how you practice walking in love. Not being jealous. Oh, God. Have mercy, Lord. Or being boastful. Or being proud and rude. Not demanding your own way. Not being irritable. And keeping no record of other people's wrongs. Pastor, I'm going home right now. You're making me miserable. 
So you want to practically walk in the love of God, you have to be, practice being kind to people. You have to practice being patient with people. You've got to quit putting pressure on people to do it your way. You've got to stop keeping track of people's problems and faults. You shouldn't be jealous about what other people have. Be boastful about what you've been given, proud or rude. That's how you practice love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, you know the scripture, but are you living the scripture? And are you disciplining yourself to obey the word of God? Because that's how you show faithfulness to God. That's how you show love to God, by crucifying the flesh that wants to act a certain way. And you choose to say no to your way, and you say yes to God's way, and you renew your mind, and you discipline yourself to obey the word of God. That's what it takes to be a Christian that walks in love. I know, brother. I know. I mean, that's so solid. You can walk on water. And so if we want to see an increase, a divine supernatural increase in the flow of God's anointing and the flow of resources, then we have to break self out of us. We have to die to our selfish way of doing things, and we need to birth into God's way of doing it. And so if we're talking about, hey, the blessing... There's a price to pay, and it costs you putting your life on the altar. It's called surrender. And anything that pulls you into a funky attitude, that's the work of your flesh. And you have to recognize that it is the flesh, and that it's rooted and grounded in the devil's operation for your life. Because this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And this temple was not created to be used for sin or to allow the enemy to work through us to bring, to steal, kill, and destroy. But this temple, you've been made anew in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he planned and prepared for you long ago. Can I get an amen? amen. And so if we want to step into divine increase, we've got to work on our love walk. The second thing that we need to do is we need to understand our covenant. Look at somebody and say covenant. Because God is a covenant-keeping God. God operates according to His Word, according to the contract. Anybody ever had a contract before? There are two parties usually or more to the contract. Is this true? And there's usually a mediator, somebody in, the, in between mediating that contract. That costs, costs you a lot of money. They charge you a lot of money to do that. But there are two sides to the agreement. Anybody signed a, a lease in the house or a contract with a bank? There are two sides to the agreement. If you make your payments, you can continue using the property. When you stop making the payments, we'll take the property away. Well, you can't complain when you don't make the payment because that's the contract. Oh, I don't know why we have to be so practical and so simple here. But some people don't understand that. Somehow they think their landlords are taking advantage of them when they simply ask them to pay their rent. People get mad when their bosses require them to do the work they said they were hired to do. And so God 
The only thing God has to keep is watch over his word to perform what he promised. And what we have to understand is that if we come to God outside of contract, outside of his word, we're not coming with the right foundation. It's not the foundation of faith. It's with manipulation. It's with whining. It's with complaining. It's with, hey, trying to twist God's arm to favor us when we're being disobedient. Come on, preach, preacher. Say, yes, pastor, it's so good for me. I'm loving it. Whip me one more time. <laughs> Another beating. Yes, Lord. Say, <laughs> no, we need to correct some attitudes. The word of God judges the innermost intentions and thoughts of the heart. And sometimes we don't see the things we're blind to. You can't see things you're blind to. You don't see things you're blind to. And you act a certain way and you don't realize you're acting that way. And then people tell you, hey, you need to fix this. And then you defend yourself and get mad. Because that's called a stronghold. Say so there are good strongholds and there are bad strongholds. And a stronghold becomes part of you and you just flow in it. You just operate in it. Because it's an established way of thinking that has become part of your life. And so we need to break you out of the bad and establish you in the good. And so we have to work on our love walk. Amen. And you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. You can write it out. You can put it in your car. You can put it everywhere. And you continually begin to declare what love is. And as you begin to declare the word and say, God, I'm out of order in this area, in this area, in this area. God, I'm out of order in all Nine of those areas. Can you please help me? Show me how you love me so I can love others. Because unless you receive the love of God, how do you love somebody else? And so your prayer is, God, teach me how to love. Show me how much you love me. And I want you to know this, that God will correct you. That's one of the most awesome ways God shows you his love. But outside of giving you Jesus, his one and only son, to make a way for you to live in the covenant and the blessing, God loves you by correcting you. Ah, this is such a hard message. I know it's going in though. Because it's breaking some stuff in you today. Those chains Pastor Mike was talking about that are in there that you can't break free from, he's going to do it by his hand and by his spirit. The word is like a fire, the word is like a hammer, and it breaks the hard things in you. And so I'm trusting the Lord this morning by his spirit, he's breaking things in you. So you can be free and you can step into another realm of walking in the love of God towards others and towards yourself. If you're not happy with you, how are you going to be happy with anyone else? If you keep picking on you, you'll pick on everyone else around you. And you might not say it out of your mouth, but you'll think it in your head. Hallelujah. And so the Lord wants to bring divine healing into your life. And in order for you to walk in divine healing, you have to understand that God wants you healed.
that Jesus paid the price for you to have divine health. Look at the person next to you and tell him, Jesus took 39 stripes on his back and he paid the price for you to be healed. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says this, Jesus rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed. Look at somebody and say, God has blessed. It's already been done. God has blessed the Gentiles, say that's me, with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham. So we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And so here we clearly see that Jesus took your curse that was pronounced by the law. Say Jesus took the curse. Now, Ephesians tells us that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you belong to him. And because he is the seed of Abraham, you become Abraham's seed and you become an heir to the promises that God gave to Abraham. Look at the person next to you and say, that was a mouthful. If you don't understand covenant, you're probably lost right now. But in the old covenant, God personally met with Abram. And he said, if you leave your father's house and you'll follow me, I'll bless you. I'll give you property and I'll make you the father of nations. And what God wanted to do. Yeah, we've got to go all the way back there, I guess. Open your Bibles. Are you ready to go deep? You want to go find out where this all comes from? Go to the book of Genesis. Say Genesis. In Genesis, it starts with God putting the blessing on the first man, right? And God warns the man, listen, if you want to walk in the blessing, there's only one command. Do not eat the fruit of the tree of what? The knowledge of good and evil. Eat from every other tree in the garden. Here comes Lucy Loosefoot. Snaky, snaky, serpent of old, into the garden. Did God really say? He goes to the woman. He didn't go to the man. He went to the woman and said, did God really say? And in chapter 3, it says, of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. Or you, if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now I want you to know, we're going to read in chapter 3 that Satan or the snake was not lying to Eve. Look at somebody and tell them, the devil was not lying. It is true, their eyes would be opened and they would be like God, knowing both good and evil. But that's not what God said. Can we get an amen? amen. God, didn't, God wasn't holding that away from them, right? 
He said, don't touch it because if you break my command, you will die. So it wasn't about the knowledge of good and evil. It was breaking the command of God. And so what happened? It says here, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. And this is a key. She wanted the wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. It would give her. And let me tell you, family, whenever you eat fruit from the tree of life, it's going to give you the wisdom of God. Look at the person next to you and say, when I eat fruit from the tree of life, I'm going to receive the wisdom of God for my life. Let me say that again. Anytime you eat fruit from the tree of life, it is spiritual food which will manifest as wisdom on the inside of you. Everybody with me? So obviously she ate it. Their eyes were opened. Then here we see in Genesis chapter 14, after God questioning everybody, he starts pronouncing the curses. And he speaks to the serpent and he says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. And you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility, say hostility, between you and the woman, between your seed, small s, or offspring, and her offspring, seed, capital S. So God was saying that through the line of this woman would come the seed, Christ, and Christ would crush the serpent's head. It would destroy the work that the devil had done in the garden. But in order for Christ to be born, he needed a family line that he could cut covenant with, that he would bless and protect so that Christ could be born in that family line. The reason God blessed Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and who became Israel, the Jewish people, was so that they could sustain as a family so that the Son of God could be born. Are you with me? And so we go over to, let's go over to the book of, oh, let's read this first before we move further. So here we see that God makes a promise. My son is coming and he's going to fix this problem. In verse 20, then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So there was an animal sacrifice. Say blood has to be shed so that sins can be forgiven. Then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us knowing both good and evil. Is that what it says? Put that scripture up there. Verse 22. Then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us. Exactly what Lucifer said or Satan said. Knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. And God didn't want man to live forever in sinful state. God doesn't want you to walk in the knowledge of good and evil. God wants you to only eat from the tree of life. Look at the person next to you and say, God wants you to only live from the tree of life. Not reason, not the realm of reason, but the realm of the spirit of God's goodness and blessing for your life. And then it says here, 
So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he was made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So God could not give us access back to the tree of life until he dealt with the sin issue. And it was Jesus that broke this curse and now gave us access back to eat from the tree of life. We'll get into it in a minute so that we can draw from the life of God. So that's what God wanted to give us back. Look at the person next to you and tell him God wanted to give you back access to his presence and to the tree of life. So here we see that God had a plan to bring his seed. Everybody say seed into the earth. Go to go to the book of Galatians. Going a little different direction than I was planning to go. So God wanted to give us access back to the tree of life. He had to cut covenant with Abraham and through his family lines so that Christ could be born. And so that's why God made this covenant with the Jewish people. And nobody else had access to this covenant. Everybody living outside of the Jewish nation, they were called Gentiles. They were foreigners. They were unbelievers. They didn't have access to the blessing that God had for the Jewish people. Right? And so that was the old covenant. But God came to cut a new covenant. Everybody say a new covenant. In Galatians chapter 3. And I'm just going to read here because this is all very important. Verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen the picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit, capital S, because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Look at somebody and tell them, you cannot save yourself. You need God's help. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message or the good news you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles, say me, right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share in the same blessing received, because, same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Look at the person next to you and tell him, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you tap into, say, I tap into every blessing that God promised to Abraham. Say, he's the father of our faith. 
But those who depend on the Lord to make them right with God are under a curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. So you can't get right with God in your own ability by trying to do good. For the scriptures say it is through faith, say through faith, that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. Verse 13, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, curses everyone who's hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. Say, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. Everyone outside of the Jewish line. He has blessed everyone with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Verse 15. Dear brothers and sisters, there is an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his seed. Everybody say his seed. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his seeds or children, as if meaning the descendants. Rather, it is to say to his child or to his seed, of course, which means Christ. That is what I'm trying to say. So here's what happened. When God spoke to, Eve, uh, to the serpent in the Garden of Eden, he said, my seed is coming. Everybody say, Christ is coming. God sets up a covenant with a family, and he says, if you will obey me, you will worship me, I will bless you, and I'll bless your whole family line, because it'll be through your family line that the seed will come. Everybody got me. But it was closed off to the Jewish family. But the seed is Christ, and the promise was made to the seed of Abraham. Abraham and his seed, which is Christ. And when you believe and you belong to Christ, that same blessing that was on Abraham and the Jewish family gets given to you. You get grafted in. And if you read the book of Ephesians, Ephesians will tell you this was God's plan from the beginning to bring Jew and Gentile together under Christ and that we would all operate in this blessing till every nation and every family of the earth is blessed. So God has been gracious to us to allow us into this covenant and God cut a new covenant with the Christ, with Christ's blood, with the blood of Christ and he's the mediator of this new covenant which is a better covenant with far better promises. Everybody tracking with me? So let's go look at what our blessings include. Can we do that? It took a second. Are we there? Woo! It's a little mouthful. Deuteronomy 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the world and you will experience all these blessings. Everybody say blessings. Number one, your towns and your fields will be blessed. That's why we need our city saved. So that when people drive through St. Lucie County, man, they just drive into a glory bubble into the blessing. 
Your children and your crops will be blessed. Anybody want some blessed kids? What about your, your harvest, your work, the, the work of your hands? Be blessed. Your offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your business will be in abundance. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. That means your food in your house, your charcuterie boards. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Say, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I am blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. How many of you want your bank accounts overflowing with savings? The Lord your God will bless you in the land He's giving you. He's going to give you property. The covenant of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham includes you owning your own property. and The bank does not own it. You are debt free. It is your property. Mm. I own it. The Lord will, if you obey the commands, the Lord your God and walk in his ways, say, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are people that are claimed by God and they will stand in awe of you. Your family members, your colleagues at work, everybody around you are going to start looking at you. They're going to start saying, man, you are blessed. You're not that smart. I know you're not that smart. This must be God doing something in your life. Say only Jesus. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land. He swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from His rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to nations, but you will never need to borrow. How many of us think we should have our own banks? That's what he said there. He said, you can have your own bank. Um, let me pause. We need some kingdom bankers. You might as well be that person. Just a thought. We're going to have pure banking institution. I just feel like we have to have that now. Yeah, we'll have our own payment gateway. When we have all our centers all over the world, we'll have our own payment gateway. Why should I pay Visa 2.5%? Okay, you guys aren't ready for that yet. You ain't ready. Let's just go back to the breadboards, the charcuterie boards. And let's just try get you out of debt and get you some property. Because that's really where the Christian mentality is. They don't understand what's available to them in the blessing. And we need to break you out of poverty mindsets and understand that there is an anointing to produce wealth. There is wisdom to produce wealth. But if you won't surrender your life and begin to walk in love and change your attitude, you don't set yourself up to walk in faith that produces this thing in your life. So these are the blessings that are going to come upon you. 
If you listen to the commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you today, if you're careful to obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on the top and never the bottom. You must not turn away from the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow other gods and worship them. But let's take a look at the curses. Now, if you happen to see that there is evidence of the curse in your life, that means your mind has not been renewed to who you are in Christ, that the curse is broken. Look at the person next to you and say, if I choose to accept the curse, I'll live in the curse. Because God's not forcing this on you. Hosea 4.6 says, my people perish because they lack knowledge. If you don't understand what belongs to you, you'll never use your faith. You'll never go to the contract and say, God, it is written. You said part of my covenant is for me to walk in this. I'm not walking in this. So change my mindset and show me how to walk in this blessing. And because God watches over his word to perform it and he's not a liar, God will come and fix the circumstance. But you can't go to God and complain to God trying to twist his arm and saying, well, you favor Johnny more than you favor me. Because God has no favorites. God is not moved by whining and complaining. He's only moved by faith. And if you don't know your covenant, if you don't know the contract, your prayer life will never be answered. Because we pray with our feelings, we don't pray with our faith. Let me close today. 15. These are the curses you can experience when you don't walk in the blessing. If you refuse, say hard-hearted, prideful, stubborn, and you do not obey the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your charcuterie boards are full of mold. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be cursed. No matter how hard you try, you can never get a break. You, you're in this rut, you're in the cycle of defeat, and you don't know how to get out. It says the Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion and frustration in everything you do. If you're confused and frustrated about your life, it's because you're not walking in the blessing of God. It says, until at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. The Lord will afflict on you or afflict you with diseases until none of you are left in the land you're about to enter and occupy. You will be struck with wasting diseases, fever, inflammation, scorching heat, drought, blight, and mildew. These diseases will pursue you until you die. The skies above will be unyielding as bronze. The earth beneath will be hard as iron. The Lord will change the rain that falls on your land into powder and dust will pour down from the sky until you are destroyed. This is pretty bad. The, short, the blessings were like short. The curses go on for 68 verses. Verse 27, I just want to deal with sickness and disease right now. Is that okay? 27, the Lord will afflict you with boils. 
the boils of Egypt and with tumors, with scurvy and the itch, or the botch, from which you cannot be cured. And the Lord will strike you with madness, blindness, and panic. You will grope around in broad daylight like blind person groping in the darkness, but you will not find your way. You will be oppressed and robbed continually, and no one will come to save you. Doesn't sound like fun to me. Verse 35, the Lord will cover your knees and legs with incurable boils. In fact, you will be covered from head to foot. 38, you will plant much but harvest little, for locusts will eat your crops. This is bad. Verse 44, oh, let's 43. Foreigners living among you will become stronger and stronger while you become weaker and weaker. They will lend money to you, but you will not lend to them. And they will be the head and you will be the tail. If you refuse to listen to the Lord and obey the commands and decrees He's given you, all these curses will pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed. This is bad. 48. You will be left hungry, thirsty, naked, lacking in everything. That means you'll be living on the street. The Lord will put an iron yoke on your neck, oppressing you harshly until you are destroyed. Verse 58. If you refuse to obey all the words of instruction and you do not fear the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm you and your children with indescribable plagues. These plagues will be intense and without relief, making you miserable and unbearably sick. He will afflict you with all the diseases of Egypt that you feared so much, and you will have no relief. Verse 63, just as the Lord has found great pleasure in causing you to prosper and multiply, the Lord will find pleasure in destroying you. You do not want to go to hell. I'm telling you right now. There's not a single one of you that want to experience hell. The second death, the lake of fire, that is not a place for people. That was a place created for the demonic realm, for the fallen angels. And there's coming a day of judgment, and you do not want to be found in the company that are under the judgment of God. And I'm telling you right now. You, you need to do whatever you need to do to get your life right before the Lord. Because you can't live wrong and die right. Straight up. Look at somebody say, straight up. You need to get it right. All right, let's go to some more blessing. Let's like flip the cookie around. Whoo, that was bad. Wow, let's try bring some joy back. Whoo, that was heaviness. Okay, you got five more minutes for me? Because I want to turn this around so we don't leave you depressed today. Say, there is hope for me. All right. So the book of Revelation, this is a really, really cool book, right? And i got so much I want to say, I'm going to try to compress it. But I want, to walk you, want you to walk out with freedom today. It says here, in this book, what happened was, Jesus visits John on the Isle of Patmos. And there are seven churches that were established in the time after the Holy Ghost had come. There were seven major churches in seven cities. These were the key churches in that day and time when the church first began. And Jesus is the head of the church, and he personally would walk through those churches and see everything that was going on. He knew the pastors of the churches. He knew the members in the churches. He knew what they were doing, what they loved, what they hated, what they were doing right, and the things they were doing wrong. 
So God writes these letters and it speaks to John to write these letters to send them to the seven churches so that the churches could correct certain things. Look at the person next to you and say, Jesus knows exactly what's happening in this church. We are his body. He knows every detail about his body. Amen. He knows where we are. He knows where he wants to take us. And so in these letters that he writes, John writes, it says here, um, 2 verse 2, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they're not. You have discovered they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Those are the good things. Happy. Verse 4, but I have this complaint against you. So Jesus has a complaint. Let's find out what he's complaining about. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, if you don't change, I will remove your lampstand. He'll shut the church down. From its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. So there's some things Jesus hates going on in the churches. The Nicolaitans, Nicholas was one of the uh, disciples of Jesus that started teaching false doctrine and telling people to fall back into uh, sexual sin as a part of their worship. Because that's what they were doing in the temples in those days, in the pagan temples. And so he was leading people astray with false doctrines. But I have this com uh, complaint against you, da 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 Seven, this is where it gets good. Look at the person next to you say, this is where the hope kicks in. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life. In the paradise of God. Did you read that? So in the, in the book of Genesis, God blocks the way to the tree of life. But now if we will love God and we will love others and we will hate evil. And we will work hard and we will endure persecution and we will stand as one. Being faithful to what God has called us to do. He will allow us into heaven into his presence to eat from the tree of life, to receive wisdom for our lives. Look at somebody next to you and say, if you walk in love, love God, love others, as you do yourself, you will get access to the tree of life in the garden of God. Mm -hmm. How many of you are feeling a little better? All right, go to Revelation 22. And you should read Revelation because it's pretty interesting what's in here. 22 verse 1. Then the angel showed me a river. Everybody say a river. With the water of life or the river of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. So there's a river in heaven called the river of life that flows from the throne of God. It flowed down the center of the main street. So in the city of God, there's a river flowing through it. 
And on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. So not only does God give us access to eat the fruit from the tree of life, but if you happen to pick a leaf, look at the person next to you and tell him, if you happen to grab hold of a leaf from the tree of life, you could heal a nation with it. So I want you to know that in the presence of God, you have access to life and healing. Say it's part of the blessing. In verse 14, it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. So God is expecting us to live righteously, to wash your robes, to be, have robes of righteousness without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. We're supposed to live pure lives before God. And God says, if you will cleanse your heart, if you will cleanse your hands, you will allow me to clean you. Because that's what the new covenant is all about. He said, I'll wash you, I'll cleanse you. I'll put a new heart in you, a new spirit in you. I will write my laws on your hearts and I'll put the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Everybody with me? So all the blessing of God that he has is contained in the Holy Ghost. And when your temple receives the Holy Spirit, you receive the blessing of God. And now you have access into the presence of God, the favor of God, and all the blessings that are available to you. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms bless you spirit, soul, and body. And I want you to know Jesus was hung on a tree. He took the curse of the law. He took sickness, disease, lack, poverty, sin away from your life. It is no longer your portion. You are no longer under the law of sin and death. You've been resurrected by the Holy Ghost. Come out from under that law and you're under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And if you learn to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost, that river will lead you into the fullness of the blessing of God. But if you won't follow the river, you won't find the blessing. And what God is doing, He's expanding us. He's breaking off the lies. He's breaking off the, the strongholds. And God is moving us into a place of greater revelation and understanding of who we are and what we have so that we can walk in the blessing. And I tell you, when your mindset shifts by revelation, you change on the inside and you'll be sustained in that blessing because it flows by the anointing. Deuteronomy 8.18, there is a power to get wealth. There is a power to prosper. Look at the person next to you say, the purpose for your prosperity is because God is a covenant-keeping God. And what does God want from the covenant? He wants more and more people to know Jesus and to come into the blessing. So just like God blessed Abraham's family line to bring Christ into the world, God wants us to use the resources and everything that he blesses us with to reach more people for his kingdom. And if you will get the mindset that I am running after the kingdom of God and doing the work of the kingdom, you will know no lack in your life. Stand with me this morning, evening, afternoon, wherever we are in the day. Did you get anything out of that? You say, Pastor, that took a long time. Well, you're worth it. 
You've been indoctrinated by the world for too long and you need to spend a little more time diving into the Word of God and understanding who you are and what you got as part of your contract. Can I get an amen? amen. You say hallelujah. hallelujah. And so, number one, the first thing that has to happen is you have to believe in Jesus to even tap this covenant. Look at the person next to you say, if you don't follow Jesus, you don't have access. You don't walk in love. You got no access. So this is what I want to do today. I am believing that in the season that we're in, what God is doing is he's giving you the understanding you need to have. He's changing your mindset so you can step into health. You can step into provision. You can step into blessing in areas that are not currently in your life. Right? And I believe every one of us have areas of improvement. Is there anybody here? There's areas that we can all improve in. And what we need to do is we need to ask the Lord to show us the area where we are blind and to take the blinders off. Because if we can know the truth, the truth will set us free. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And if we'll let the Holy Ghost come in, He'll show us the area that He needs to work on in us. But if you're not willing to let the Lord work on you, you're not willing to open yourself up for the Lord to do work in you, then He won't come and you'll stay the same. And correction isn't easy. But I tell you, God is so gentle when He corrects us. He'll ask you a question, where are you? And that'll wreck you. I was talking to one of the ladies this morning in our Kickstart class, and she said she was, she was serving in ministry, going out to, to the jail. And she said she was ministering to some ladies. And after years of doing this, she's seen the patterns of ladies um, getting out of jail and then going back to jail, and she was feeling discouraged. And so she was driving out there one day, and she said to the Lord, she said, Lord, you know, I'm doing all this work, but I'm not feeling successful. And the Lord said to her, I didn't call you to be successful. I called you to be faithful. See, that statement from the mouth of God will fix you really quickly. And so these are nuggets. When we're in ourselves thinking we're not good enough, or we can't do it, da-da-da-da, the Lord will come and drop a word, a simple sentence in you that will correct your thinking. He'll change the way you think and he'll pull you out of the pit and he'll put you back in righteousness. And we need God to correct us. We need to be open for the Lord to discipline us. Can I get an amen? And so I believe this is for every one of us here today. So I want you to just close your eyes and lift your hands and say, oh God. <laughs> oh God, help me. <laughs> Woo. Father, we stand before you today. As a church, a pure church, right here in, Port Saint, in Fort Pierce, St. Lucie County. Lord Jesus, you are the head of this church. You are the, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, we are perfect in Christ. We've been made perfect. But our mindsets have to be renewed. And Lord, today, we as a church put ourselves on the altar. Say, I do. And Lord, we say that we need correction in our lives we need guidance in our lives and we cannot live without your spirit and lord we are asking you today not to leave us the way that we are we ask that you would have mercy on us that you would deliver us from lies and strongholds of the enemy
Lord, that you would take us out of the rut. Lord, that you would take us out of patterns of destruction. And Lord, that you would bring us out of the curse and into the blessing. And Lord, wherever our minds need renewing, I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us and you show us the error in our life. Holy Spirit, we give you full permission to work on us. Speak to us in dreams, in visions in the night. Speak to us prophetically. Speak to us through the still small voice. Send angels from heaven if you have to, God. Whatever you need to do to get through to us and confirm to us, God, that you want to correct us and bring change to our lives so that we get it, Lord. Because some of us are hard-headed, Jesus, and we need a little extra love and care, God. Father, I pray that you will not leave one of us the same. The month of June, July, and August, that we will look back at these three months, God, and we will see a radical transformation that has happened in the way we think, not by might nor by power, but by your word and by your spirit, Lord God. We look to the author of life. We look to the Holy Ghost, and we look to God Almighty. And we stand here today, God, and we say, come and have your way in our lives, in our homes, in everything we do. And we are trusting you, Lord to bring us into the blessing that you promised to Abraham and to the, to the heirs, which is us, Lord. And Father, we thank you for this covenant of blessing in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you'll lead us, that you'll guide us, that you'll teach us by your Spirit. Say, forgive me, Lord. Help me, God. Amen. You opened up